everyone, and welcome back for part two of the fancy 2023 Halloween movie roundup. Um, as I said before, this conversation went so long we had to cut it up. I had a lot of movies to talk about, which is, of course, my fault. Um, but we were having so much fun, I wanted to get all of it out there, so I split it up. So for this episode, look forward to some more good chatting with uh, me and Jen and John and Abby. Um, particularly John is going to talk about Wishmaster 1 and 2 and uh, Jen and Abby are going to talk about Pontypool and Bones and all and so those were definitely some of the highlights of the whole uh, viewing this year and then uh, John and Abby are going to duck out and it'll be just me and Jen talking for a while and we're going to talk about uh, such things as Little Shop of Horrors and the entire Blade trilogy and then Jen is going to duck out, and then it's going to be just me talking about some additional stuff that only I saw, which will include a bunch of things, but uh, really mark your calendar, so to speak, for The Nun 1 and 2, Evil Dead 2013 and Evil Dead Rise, Noroi, Slither, Deadly Friend, and Magic Magic. Uh, I hope you enjoy. So back to the conversation with all four of us, starting now. John, I'm turning my... I have soar to you. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Wishmaster 1 and 2. You want to talk about Wishmaster? <laughs> Is that your wish? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Too late. Uh, I, I, so you have been advocating for these movies for a while. I, I, I searched the chat, and I, at least 2021, you mentioned it as a recommendation for Halloween viewing. And, and how'd that go for me? Uh, I didn't watch it. Ignored, not, ignored, ignored. Not ignored, but I. It was you a, watch? You watch movie? I didn't yet. It's hard to get all these in there when I'm trying to watch a lot of movies. So, but I I put it high on the list this year, and I watched one and two, and at least the first one, I extremely enjoyed and had a fun time with, and I appreciate the recommendation. I would like to hear your thoughts and history with the Wishmaster series. Wishmaster 1 rules. Wishmaster 2 does not rule. Wishmaster 2 has some problems, but Wishmaster 2 is still very fun. Uh, and then there are more wish like they there are more Wishmaster movies, but they do not have Andrew Divoff or Divoff or well, I don't know how to say his last name. But uh, he is the best. And he is what's here. So as long as he's in one of these movies, you should watch it. And he's in two of them, and they're great. Uh, Wishmaster 1 came out in 1997, and it looks like it came out in 1987. It is... I completely was Boy, confused. it looks like trash. I was really confused about when it came out when I first started watching it. I I was like, this, this is an 80s movie, right? Oh, no. It is like late 90s. I did a little goofing around, and what I came to, my favorite conclusion I came to was this movie came out after Men in Black. <laughs> like, you think about what these movies look like. This movie is complete fucking trash visually. Uh, but it, it's just so much fun. I've always been really into genies in general, and this really works. In part because, like, he is both a very good and a very bad genie at the same time. So, for the audience, first of all, if you like Halloween movies, you should watch Wishmaster. 
Yeah. We're going to spoil it somewhat, but I but I'll try to be vague as far. The setup is right again. I w- I would say it is obviously an accurate title, but it does not convey the vibe of the movie very well. Wishmaster sounds like like a deep fantasy, you know? Like it's like you expect like Conan the Barbarian on the cover when you see Wishmaster. Yeah. That's it's a like, great call. Uh it is not that. So it is a genie, a djinn, as they like to say in the movie. Sometimes say genie, but usually djinn. And so, yeah, he is an evil. Apparently, djinn are uh, ancient. They predate all of creation except for essentially, like, they were, they're co-created with angels. They're essentially as ancient as demons and angels. And they're extremely powerful and extremely evil. And all they want is to gain power and rule over the earth. And the way that they can take over the world is to have someone awaken them or one genie, at least someone awakens the main genie in this series. And that person who awakens him has to make three wishes. And when he grants the third wish, then all of the jinn may come into the earth realm and take over and destroy the world and humanity. And so he, but before he could do that, he has to get build up his power by granting other people one-off wishes. They they make the rules a little bit weirder in the second one. Is it definitely clear that he has to get people to make one-off wishes? It sounded like so he's he's he, like he clearly thinks he has to, yeah. but like I don't understand where they tell you that that is true. In the first one, they don't. In the second one, he specifically has to grant yeah. a thousand wishes. The second one, everything completely changes, completely arbitrary, and he doesn't even follow those rules. Yeah. He doesn't follow the rules in either movie. So, so he is uh, terrible. He's he's really mean and terrible. As he's like a tri- he's like the leprechaun. He's a trickster demon. He's Loki. He's trying to constantly trick people into making bad wishes or making an innocent wish, but interpreting it in a way that almost always means that they're going to die in a painful way. Um, and so, so the fun of the movie is that he keeps encountering people. He he's it's well-performed way hammy over the top. He's is this evil looking guy, which one big note of mine is like, I think it's extremely funny that there's this, like conspicuously obviously like cartoonishly evil guy but also just like slimy and gross looking and yeah and in the first movie every woman that sees him is like he's the hottest man alive <laughs> yeah and it yeah. is so funny and out of place but uh but yeah the main joy of the movie is it is so funny and clever with the way that he completely misinterprets on purpose everyone's wish and and punishes them and they're very over the top and funny when they do it. It's like it's not just like he's evil and he will kill you. It's like oh he's not he's gonna stab you. No no, it is very inventive and funny the way that he uh, tortures these poor people. Uh, I I I have to say I don't think we have any choice. I think we gotta give the listeners some great examples. Okay, that sounds good. You go first. I'll go first. I will say that up there with anything I've seen in any movie. One of the funniest scenes is when the guy is like, I wish I had a million dollars. And then he's like, granted. 
And then it cuts to that guy's grandma at the airport. And she's like, she's talking to some guy. And he's like, do you want to buy the insurance for your flight? And she's like, yeah. And she signs an insurance policy for a million dollars in her grandson's name. And then it cuts to her plane crashing. (laughs) This is a horror movie? What is this? It was so funny. It was so, so funny. Ah, I loved it. Um, I can't believe it. I just, I've, I, I've watched this movie several times, but sometimes I just pull that clip up on YouTube and I laugh my fucking ass off. I can't believe how stupid it is. It's like, oh, I'm a genie. I'll grant your wish. Your grandma exploded in the sky, and like, event, like you're not getting a million dollars out of that. This is all going to get fucked up. You know, this isn't going to work. What kind of? You didn't even grant the wish. It's so good. The, the, I so all of them were funny in some way, um, but uh, th- sometimes it wasn't even necessarily the hilarious uh, wish coming true. So, so one that comes to mind is because of the dialogue w- when he was talking to the woman was when he was at the clothing store and he's talking about talking to the clerk who's checking him out. And again, she's like, "Oh, he's so hot," and he's like giving her all these looks, and she's obviously waiting to him. And then she's like. How do you want to pay? How, how are you? How are you paying? Cash or credit? He's like, whichever you prefer, whichever is easier. And she's like, I guess cash is easier or something like that. And he's like, here you go. And then she reaches into her bra and pulls out the money that he owes her. It just appeared inside of her bra. And and so then, this is the line I took down the quote because it was so funny. Just the writing is is very amusing on its own. But uh, I can't do the guy's voice, but I'll do a mini imitation. But he's like. <clears throat> This is my first day in your world, Eriella. I am pleased to see beauty is a constant. Does it bother you, knowing that your beauty will fade? That your looking glass will tell you a long and unhappy story? <laughs> and he's trying to get her to wish for eternal beauty. And eventually she does, and he turns her into a mannequin. Um, it is so funny. Just the writing. The guy is so over the top and funny, and the the writing is fun. And uh, there's like a lot of side characters are really funny. The really profane homeless man, yeah, is yeah, really funny. He's like complain. He gets kicked out of a store because he's he's loitering and he's homeless and he's panhandling and stuff. And he hates the guy who works at the store. And he's and he's like. It is my sidewalk. I pay taxes. And he, he says a lot of really profane things, but this one he said, he goes, I got your taxes swinging. <laughs> <laughs> and just, uh, there's a lot of very funny side characters. It was very funny. I liked it a lot. The way that the main woman swears in this movie is hilarious. Like she's on the phone I, and she, she just. I think it's legitimately good. I like it. She really goes for it when she swears uh it is she's like f you like in the phone just like super screaming i absolutely loved it um yeah uh it was extremely funny uh and then and and and, can i ask a question sorry absolutely how it sort of has like hellraiser vibes to me but it sounds like it's better than that it is nothing like hellraiser hellraiser is trying to be horrific torture exploitation this there is like graphic violence but it's all funny um like the very one of the very first scenes is like so he's encased in this stone and and allegedly he has to (laughs) he escapes the stone and he has to charge the stone by granting wishes and that's when he can actually do the three wish thing and get out and so 
in the first scene, it's it's like the Persian Empire, and it's a party, and he is going to make the third wish, the the like the powerful Sultan or whatever, and uh, he's at he's throwing a party, and he, and one of his wish his second wish is show me wonders. Knowing that this is an evil genie, he has like a sorcerer advising him, and yet he makes the wish to this evil deliberately misconstruing genie. He says, show me wonders. And then everything terrible happens at the party. People are transforming into monsters. Like their like guts are like ripping out. Like a skeleton rips out of a guy's bo- whole body. And like, there's like skin. statues that come to life and like strangle people. Yeah. There's like snake monsters chasing people. There's all sorts of insane stuff. And so it's like, show me wonders is like the worst <laughs> wish you could have made. But, um, so yeah, there's like grossness, like they're like like in some other movies, but it's all done to be funny. Nothing is like Hellraiser, where it's like we love pain. We're just gonna show you the most painful way for things to happen. Pain, 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 pain. Um, it's all just like I'm the leprechaun. I'm going to trick you. Uh, so nothing like Hellraiser. Much funnier. I'm doing one more. Uh, he's trying to get into a uh, like the big fancy party most of the way through the movie. Yes. And then there's like a security guard who's like, no way am I going to let you in. You are big trouble. You can't come in here. And he starts talking to the security guard and he's like, I bet you hate your job. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty boring. And he's like, would you like to escape? And then the security guard is like, yeah, I would like to escape. And then he puts him in like the water chamber that Harry Houdini had to escape from and he drowns in there. And it's like, he didn't, no way did he mean I want to go in a fucking water chamber and drown. I, I agree. First of all, two things about that scene. One is the guy who plays the, in trying to be intimidating bouncer is the Candyman from the Candyman movies. Oh, I didn't, I've never seen Candyman. I didn't know that. And so he has a great deep, intimidating growly voice Mm -hmm. uh he also apparently plays venom in the new spider-man um and more importantly i took down that exact quote because he says specifically answer the question johnny would you like to escape clearly that's why i latched onto it so hard yeah uh that movie's good so i'm gonna say two skeletons five jack-o'-lanterns five thumbs up i will similarly say five dang. thumbs up dang <laughs> five thumbs up uh, i'm gonna jump right on board two skeletons to me it's pretty creepy i'm gonna give it three and a half jack-o'-lanterns and an easy five thumbs up dang but what were the skellies uh for me only two i said Two, I think also. Should I watch that? Yes. Okay. It's extremely fun and dumb. Let's talk about the second one, John. Uh, Wishmaster 2 is unfortunately and fortunately pretty different. Uh, the premise, as Pat mentioned before, has switched from grant someone three wishes to grant 1,001 wishes, which is insane it's too much to ask, and it gets off to a terrible start. What do you think of right at the start? They're at the art gallery. I wish I'd never been born. Yeah, that was uh, extremely. Again, if you know you're dealing with a malevolent uh, 
entity that was a bad choice uh it was it was it was it was a funny way that they handled it he didn't mm-hmm. he didn't just he didn't just like blip out of existence like you might expect someone correcting a timeline for someone not being born no they reversed time he slowly <laughs> started de-aging and he was uh you know a 30 year old to a teenager to a young child to a baby to a fetus to nothing to nothing he ceases to be pretty good yeah um there were two wishes that stuck out to me on this one i wonder if we wrote the same ones down uh the more obvious one that is funny to me that is not objectionable is that he was in prison or something i forget if he's still in prison at this but anyway a guy is mad at another guy and he says i want his head (laughs) that was really dumb and you know what he did is he swapped their heads so now that guy's head was on this guy's head and so he had his head they're like Russian mobsters. And so they're like, oh, my God, it's that guy. He's here. We got to shoot him. Yeah. So that didn't work I out. I know what the other one is. The other one is I wish my attorney would go fuck himself, right? Absolutely. I wish my attorney would go fuck himself is up there with uh, the grandma plane crash from the first movie as in terms of my favorite comedic scenes in any movie. Pat, would you like to describe the I wish my public defender would go fuck himself scene? So... So the Wishmaster voluntarily goes into jail. That's a good point. He has to get a thousand and one wishes. And so he's like, what's easy to do? I'll just like take the blame for a robbery at an art gallery I didn't do, get my ass into prison, and then I'll just fucking exploit those poor sad souls. And so he is in jail, making a lot of enemies, granting a lot of wishes. Also, the second movie, he is much he's completely unabashed in saying Yes, I'm a genie. Yes, I want your soul in exchange for these things. He's like very straightforward. People even, he even goes around saying, he doesn't say I'm the Jinn. He's like, I'm a Wishmaster. What's up? Yes. Like Wishmaster. I don't think they even say Wishmaster in the first movie. But in this one, he's like, I'm the Wishmaster. You want a wish? Let's go. Yeah. And so, so this guy said like he got a bad deal. He should have gotten out on a technicality, but his public defender sucked. And so he wishes my public defender would F himself. Uh, and so then all of a sudden he's, he makes that wish and the crazy prison guard's like, you got your visitor. And so he comes and he starts talking to his, his lawyer and he's like, I have some really good news. I, I see something now. Like th- there was a procedural error. We can have your whole case thrown out. You're going to get out of here today. Like we have cracked the code. You are safe. You are out of here. And he's like, oh my God, that's great news. Like all of a sudden his lawyer is finally doing something good. And then all of a sudden the lawyer's like, I I have to just perform it. He's like, oh, oh. And he's like squirming uncomfortably. And then he just like, bends himself in half and then his legs are up behind him and his ankles are bending backwards and then he starts like gesticulating on top of the desk like he is uh copulating and <laughs> and then and he keeps doing it uncontrollably obviously because he's possessed by the wishmaster and then like the, <laughs> the 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 guards come in and like have to break it up and like fix the guy if they can and so then the guy the the prisoner like doesn't get the benefit of this new procedural error that the lawyer just discovered like he's screwed all over again because his lawyer who just did a good thing is now literally screwing himself by all accounts the public defender 
fucked himself to death. That's what happened. How many thumbs are you giving this one where someone fucks themselves to death? Five for everything. Oh, I absolutely missed someone saying someone fucked themselves to death. Never mind. You know well, what? No, you... don't back up. Nope. Yeah, no, great point. <laughs> How long has Jen had her headphones on? I think. Did she? Hi. Well, I had to get snacks. Yeah. I don't know when I came back in. She missed a lot of Wishmaster. And for a while, it was actually, they weren't plugged in right, so I couldn't hear you very well. And I fixed it. Yeah, that's a shame. You did not you fix it. You missed a lot of good stuff. But you, should, you should listen to this podcast. I Pat asked Pat it. during maybe one of the times the thing was dead. I don't know. I was like, should I be watching? Or should I watch this one? And he was like, yeah, definitely. Or maybe that was on. That was on camera. I don't know. They but now, now, now I plan to. And so then I was like, okay, well, I don't want to hear We're any We're talking spoilers. about the second one now, Jen. Is the second one bad? Second one's way worse, Johnny. I'm, yeah, not in dis- I'm not in agreement here, Johnny. I hate to say. How many thumbs? How many Five forks. God damn it. I'm going to say two for scares, four for Halloween. They put that one guy through the bars of the jail. It's got to be more than two. It is not. He gets torn the fuck up. It is gruesome. It is way more gruesome than anything in Wishmaster 1. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up is fine, but it's got to be more than two skeletons. It was It was so much worse than the first one. The first one was hilarious the whole time. This one had no... not. Didn't have the same charm, and the 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 satisfaction of the first one partially was the protagonist figuring out what was going on and trying to outsmart this eternal deity type figure, and finally prevailing in the end and locking him back up in his crystal. In the second one, it's a different protagonist, and and they completely change the rules, as Johnny said. It is not about outsmarting the genie. It is about either A, preventing him from granting a thousand and one wishes, which is a lot, or B, knowing a specific incantation and getting him back into the stone because they learned a spell. All that stuff with the incantation sucks. Yeah. It's not clever. Um, It's not fun. Yeah. It, it, it's useless. It, it, it half, it, she's just Googling stuff as if anybody could care. Um, there's. It's also like this movie really punches down because like the only places he goes to get wishes are jail and a casino. Yes. It's like, let me find the most exploitable people I can. It It's that part sucks, but I do give it five on every part of this rating system. <laughs> because it's so good. Uh, the second one's so much worse. I, I like, it's really good. And I'm afraid of what the other ones are that are a further drop off. Yeah, I've never seen any of the others. Andrew Divoff is not in them. I, 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 I please, I, the the second movie is good because he's in the second movie twice as much as he's in the first movie, and so that's the whole appeal. He's so good. He never blinks. He's really scary. His voice is amazing. I love him. Uh, but the the movie isn't good, but it's still worth five on every scale, including five forks. All right. Yes, Jen. Have you given anything above three skeletons? Has anyone given anything above three skeletons? No. I gave Wishmaster two five skeletons. Five skeletons. I saved the scary ones to not be with you, Jen. The Nun, The Nun 2, Evil Dead 2013, Evil Dead Rise, and Noroi the Curse are all getting more skeletons, I tell you what. That's all sounding... Uh, It is very late. We've had a long evening, and it has been delayed by technical difficulties. I need to get you guys off the line. Let us talk about Pontypool and Bones and all, and then I will conclude the episode without you because you have been sports and it's already very late. And also without me, right? 
Nope, you're still here. <laughs> oh, you know what's coming after this is done. Bed. Good luck, Jen. Bed. But I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the episode at a later date. <laughs> later. And also, if you guys don't finish it tonight, you can watch Wishmaster and Wishmaster 2 after yeah. Pat goes to bed. And just circle back. Be ready to... And then he can insert your comments into our conversation. I'm very I, good I will at watch Wishmaster for next year. And Bird Mom. You should be so lucky. Those are two good-ass movies. Let's talk about Pontypool. That Jen and me and Abby all watched and John did not. Did you watch it this year or had you seen it before, Abby? No, I watched it this year at Pat's recommendation. Pontypool mm-hmm. was my greatest achievement. No, it wasn't. Pat thought of this one, right? <laughs> Shit. Yes. I thought it was one of the ones I came up with. I came up with a couple that were good. No, fuck. Well, you're going to have to cut this, Pat. Nope. This is <laughs> deeply remaining in the I, podcast. I was very ready to take credit for finding it. And then I was like, no, I'm I'm quite sure I didn't. Pat did. Yes. Uh, Pontypool um, is like from 2006. And it's probably a little less heralded. And it was really good. Go, I think maybe I it, just Jen. like agreed to it right away and was giving myself a pat on the back for that. Like, oh, you agreed to a movie. <laughs> yeah. I was going to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I thought. Um, Go ahead. Abby first. No, you say what you thought. I thought yeah. that it didn't really work and that didn't really matter. And I was impressed by that. Yeah. I left having a lot of questions yeah. about the rules or like yeah. what the what some of the deal was and I don't fully understand and I really liked it. Like I, I thought it, I, I enjoyed myself tremendously. I can't, if you asked me to like diagram exactly how it works, I don't think I would successfully do that partially through not thinking about it too hard and partially because I don't know that the movie totally knows. Like there were some things that were just like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed the whole conceit, especially of like, if you were in a sort of like isolated area and getting like the way they started to get reports of what was happening and how it sort of like entered their isolated area. I thought that was very cool. And it was creepy without being too gory or scary or anything. Like it was sort of a cool version of a zombie outbreak. I, I, so to, to set it up for people, which is probably most people who don't have any familiarity with it. Um, so it is a seemingly like formerly kind of mid to big shot radio DJ host uh, who is in trouble and therefore assigned to a small town in the middle of nowhere, but he's too big for his britches to be bothered uh, working in this small town. And so he clashes with the management because he always wants to be more brash and more sensationalistic and uh, then, then they will allow him for but he's trying to get 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 the ropes for dealing with this small town where everyone knows everyone, and he the way they, they he did he's very uh, charismatic in the in the movie like he you like his you like listening to him talk even though he's obviously a jerk, and but the but then as he is going through his morning radio show routine, there he start getting more and more re- disturbing reports of a zombie outbreak. And he's trying to figure out what's going on, and the radio station's trying to figure out what's going on. And then the big thing is that they realize, like, the nature of how the outbreak is spread. And I will not even divulge that part. That part is worth experiencing, I think, on your own. Um, and, and it's very, it's just an interesting concept. It's a very physically small space. It's pretty much all filmed, like, at this little tiny radio station uh, in one one setting. Uh, so you you get a handful of main characters that you 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 
deal with the whole time. But it's just really well done, really interesting concept. I do agree that it is not very logically consistent. And then the ending, the the, the first ending, is a little weird. And you just deal with it. But then there's like a bonus ending that absolutely is astoundingly confusing. I have no idea what's going on with that one. And I can't believe it was in the movie. Um, but wasn't, didn't we read that that was the real ending and then they had to change it? Yeah. They made it like didn't a like it. So then they made it a bonus. Yeah. It, oh boy. It was so weird. And like, out, it was such an outlier for the rest of the movie, but overall very cool. Very interesting. Love the concept. Slight stumbles, but overall, very happy to have watched it. Definitely one of the highlights of the year. But it's it's an older, it's from like 2006. Um, but but big fan. Yeah, I feel like maybe I said doesn't work, and maybe that wasn't fair. I think the like the underlying premise doesn't necessarily work, but I feel like it's again, it like almost doesn't need to because you still it other than a couple things towards the end where I was like, oh come on, stop. Um, overall, like the experience was just so fun anyway, and I do think that like what you were pointing to about this like the unfolding of like the where what would happen, what we, and I think we I, I think we've seen that in other horror movies, especially zombie movies, but instead of it just being like a couple of teenagers are in the woods like they came up with a really interesting place for them to be and find out about it and so that was like fun and he was good yeah i i really i liked it a lot i really wish johnny had seen it i would have been very interested in his thoughts on it and it's not scary this this is when this is when we said that it should totally be on your list johnny because i think you would i think you'd dig it and have thought and have thoughts about it it's Um, it's called pontypool one word p-o-n-t-y-p-o-o-l which is the name of the small town and at first, I was I'm like, "I'm going to check it out. It sounds great." I was like, "Do I just not get it?" And then I was like, "No, I don't think it knows. I don't think it had. I don't know." And that almost was like freeing in a way because you're like, "Okay, they don't know. They don't care. That's not the point." Yeah, and it felt like they were hand waving and made me hand wave. Like it yeah. was, it just was fine. I was like, "Okay, accept it and don't poke too hard." Except, and, um, based on yeah. a novel. Yeah, I have some questions about the novel. <laughs> like <laughs> hand waving for the ninety minute movie. Yes, what is going on in the novel? Yeah, I think maybe the, the I suspect the novel thought it knew, thought it was saying something that made sense. And yeah, but sometimes I mean I've done I've done that. Unfortunately, they ran out of letters. I've seen a movie and right. been like, that was really great. I'm gonna read the source material and then been like, kudos to the adaptation. Like you took that idea and you fucking <laughs> did it because that was not good. <laughs> So yes, yeah. yeah maybe they just saw the control. I I'd give that four thumbs up. Yeah, me too. Wow, four thumbs up for me as well. And I think it's I high praise. I think I give it one Sounds skeleton. Good. So it's like I feel like it's in that sweet spot. Not scary. Good. Not very Halloweeny. Yeah. No, no real pumpkin. Yeah, no. I'd be like one, 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 jack, one lantern, jack lantern, one skeleton. Kind of like hijacking Pat's system to be like, you know what I like? The movies that are good, not scary, and not Halloweeny. No, I think my sweet spot would be good. Halloweeny, not scary for this sort of oh. thing. Okay, pumpkins a plus. You want the vibes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but not the, but, but not necessary. I like thumbs and skeletons. Most important, obviously. I think it's Makes low sense. skeletons. I think it's two skeletons and two jackalanes. Two skeletons, one and one. There's a lot. There's still like violence. There's people. There's some graphic zombie stuff and violence going on. I think yeah, probably two skeletons. I guess if we've made some other things on this. Two I have to remember that everybody's not turning on Jen. I have to remember. No, I think one. I think one pumpkin. I think a lot of my skeleton rating system has a hidden secondary rating system that is not discussed, which is how predictable are the scary parts? Because if I you always know, know to close threatened. my eyes, 
yeah, then yeah. I can watch the movie and it's fine. It, it could probably be a four on Pat's scariness scale, but if it's super predictable, I could probably happily watch it. It's just that most things that are four are also trying to to surprise you. This lady who threw up and dragged me to hell is so unpredictable. <laughs> See, I can't do that. I, I, I never fly out of my bed. I am good at being in bed, and I just shot. Especially into the on wall. your tummy, that makes it even better. It's like an even. It's even like like I feel like you had to really jump for that. Oh, uh, it I I it I had sore knees the next day. Not exaggerating. I was like, oh, I can't be falling on my knees. Yeah. I'm 38 years old. Well, so Pat might Pat and Abby might be right with two, but they're very predictable. You know 100 yeah. percent that a thing is coming, and you can just choose not to engage with it visually. I can like just go limp in the bed, yeah. and yeah, I won't be exploding yeah. anywhere. Muscles. Yeah, totally. and yeah, and it's a, and that, it's sounds, like, that, that sounds good to me. This, I, this movie just gets better and better. And it's unique, which I feel like is clearly extremely hard to do, especially within zombies. I don't know, and yeah, zombies so yeah. played out, but mostly because it, it isn't that. It didn't seem to forget to be a, another movie too, which is interesting. I thought, what did you say this was made? 2006, I believe. Okay, this felt very obscure to me. Maybe because of the low budget, maybe because of, I don't know. But I loved that afterwards we were like, oh, I wonder if Jason's seen this movie because there's a linguistics element to it and he has a doctorate in linguistics, I think, right? He's a weird dude. Correction, 2008. Still and pretty old. Pat texted him and was like, hey, Longshot, have you ever seen a movie called Pontypool? He's like, oh, I fucking love it. I need to watch it again right now. And it was very That's satisfying. <laughs> you guys were right. That's awesome. I love it. Let's talk bones and all. And I want to add this to the ones that came out within the last 12 months that are at the top of my list along with Megan and whatever the other one I said was. Whatever. The bird one? That's not, <laughs> that's not from 2023. I don't know. Talk to me. Talk to me. Megan and Bones and All are the top new Halloween-ish movies from the past 12 months. You're not counting mind. Fall in the House of Usher. That's not a movie. Well, content. TV. Yeah. But yeah, uh, what'd you guys think of Bones and All? Bones and all, I feel like kind of similar to Pontypool in this way where you're like, oh, this doesn't actually make any sense really if you think about it. But the movie's doing a really good job of not forcing me to think about it or to not care if I do think about it because it's succeeding on other in other ways so well. Um, it is about cannibals. It is Timothy Chalamet. It is a romance. It is about a universe in which a lot of people have like addictive cannibalism. Well, not a lot of people, but a certain segment of the population has an addictive cannibalistic problem uh, and they don't know how to deal with it. And so this the, it stars a girl who's trying to figure out her place in the world as a cannibal. And uh, then she chances upon one person who's kind of her mentor and then also Timothy Chalamet, who she kind of falls in love with. And it is not, as I kind of thought it would be, a primarily romance movie with a little twinge of cannibalism they really how it was sold to me they really go in on the cannibalism quite heavily and frequently but i still think it was very interesting and good it was very weird you have to know what you're getting into i cannot blanket recommend it to everyone but for the people you have to see it johnny gee thumbs down don't no, do it. No. Yeah. No, it's it's like number one. I don't have to see this. This sounds terrible to me. I know, doesn't it? Except it's not. It's really interesting. It's so interesting. I'm so excited to listen to this. I cannot believe you're going to sell me on this movie. I know. It's good. And this is why Pat's like, you can't blanket rent. I like, I could not, I could not just say you should watch this movie. I have to like, I, I either have to know, like to Abby, I could be like, you need to see this. To anyone else, I feel like I'd have to be like, let me explain. <laughs> 
Uh, I, addictive is so not fair because that... I feel like they're like they just treat cannibals like vampires, which is I think it already interesting. That's what so that's what really like I was intrigued by. Like if it was just like there's a bunch of cannibal cannibals like doing cannibal stuff like that holds no appeal. But they, it, the I think the girl at first thinks she's the only cannibal, and then she finds out that there are other ones, and there starts to be like a they establish some lore of like how cannibals sort of and not really as much how they happen but like how they interact with each other and like sort of some of the rules of cannibalism and it was very like these are what vampires do and these are the rules of vampires applied to cannibals with some different rules and i found that really interesting like i was sort of intrigued to it felt that part was really cool to me it i liked finding out the lore of cannibalism and having that be sort of this backdrop to some of these things that I think the movie was slightly less successful in doing, but made for an interesting film. It was like a sort of fine indie film with this cannibal lore added onto it that like elevated it and made it just like that much weirder, that much cooler. Um, yeah. Sort of impossible to stop watching. Like extremely light lore, like the lightest yeah. touch on the lore, like enough to make that interesting, but not like, I don't know, you know, they're not explaining. I, it, it's not like it didn't get in the we're not entering the right, Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe of cannibals. Like, it's just it's like they like it's like a road tripping vibe where they like meet a few other cannibals. And so you just get like a hint of a little bit of yeah. what this is. And to extend the vampire analogy, there's kind of like the vampire equivalent of familiars where there's like regular humans who are just big fans of the people who are compulsive cannibals and like hang out with them and like them, but don't actually don't act aren't actually cannibals but even themselves. That, just one. Yeah. Just one. Like we're not like, it's not, we're not like establishing this in a huge way. There's just like this one dude who's doing that. And you're like, that's fucking weird. I, and also man, again, to the previous point about like Timothy Chalamet, just incredibly typecast. They were just like, we loved you and call me by your name. We would like to do that again here. There's a lot, John, there's a lot of like, queer coding stuff and like queer culture oh, yeah. stuff that is makes it interesting for like addressing issues that you know are socially relevant interesting except that it, that's the part that doesn't work like <laughs> they are using cannibalism as a metaphor for queerness and it's i'm like but isn't that kind because, of not a good way to <laughs> because it's the guilt of cannibalism right and they, therefore, like, they spend like, oh, so much time exploring about. that you just have no choice but to do your sinful deed exactly i'm like i think you <laughs> might have leaned that, yeah. too far into this but again even doesn't sound great even though that completely doesn't work if like once you just kind of accept that that's the lens they're doing it with like the actual scene to scene dialogue to dialogue if you can forget that part which you cannot always because that's you know it's not working uh it's just like very yeah it's just yeah. i think I, when we were watching it i was like i think this is bad and then after we watched it i was like i no think that was good. great yep at, at <laughs> some things and maybe just good overall yeah it really stuck and with like, me kept you on your toes too like i don't know like you couldn't settle into any part of it in a, in like sort of a satisfying way like it yeah. was it anytime i sort of was like they probably will do this now like if they did it it wasn't exactly the way i thought it would be or they wouldn't do that like it just it was really it felt like a familiar movie that like kept surprising me and challenging me yeah. sort of i don't know i yeah it was really it was a very i haven't had that kind of movie watching experience in a long time and i think that made it feel great right every bone in my cynical body 
Half. wanted to hate this Bones movie. Yeah, there we go. Bones and all. Wanted to hate <laughs> this movie at like like Pat told me it was very light on horror. It's like the second scene and there's like incredibly graphic violence. Like I'm it's <laughs> it's just like cannibals are real and it's you're born with it and I'm like fuck this. Like I am so <laughs> mad. And then I'm like they're doing like I was just I I was so prepared to hate it and it took me a long time to recognize that I didn't hate it and in fact liked it a lot. I I didn't start as opposed to it as gendered because of my I'm not as averse to just horror in general, but I was like I don't know about this. This is not what I expected, and this isn't. I don't know if this is gonna work. And I was like pretty skeptical for most of the viewing, but then it was like at the end, I was like, no, actually, they really succeeded in what they were doing. It was a, it was a fun one to end and be like, did we like that? I think we liked that, especially because it is like the romance <laughs> does have this just like like Adam said, like very obvious indie teen romance quality to yeah. it. But he did something. I don't know. I like want to watch it again, which is a bizarre impulse. Mm. I don't How, think I want to. I don't know if I want to watch not, it. I don't not know. But yet, I like, but one day. I, Mark Rylance is in it. He's good. He's good and creepy. And apparently, this is another one where like massive changes to the source material, which is just like a series about cannibals in a much more like obvious. We're just creating a cannibal universe adventure sort of way. Mm. And uh, the bones and all, I thought was a extremely good use of title to call back to our like it's a memorable title. It's well used in relation to the film. That wasn't my favorite part of the movie. They say it. I think they say oh, bones and all in it. They say the titular line a, a in the movie. A few times, probably yeah. four times, maybe yeah. five. Uh-huh. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, what, what is this five thumbs for you guys? <sighs> That's so hard to... Yeah, enjoyability. Enjoyability. I think five, yeah. But I don't think it's five I think good. Might be, I might it's be like four, four and a half. It might, might be four enjoyability I think I'm four thumbs. as well. Four thumbs up. Mm-hmm. On, on the horror movie scale, I am four and a half. On the regular movie scale... That is a different thing, but I cannot. Yeah, Mm-mm. yeah. Don't don't like most of these movies very much. Due to violence, I'm giving it three skeletons. It's graphically violent. Halloweenness one. Yeah. Halloween, yeah. Pumpkin one. I say two skeletons. I say pumpkin one. To me, it feels like one skeleton because again, can always close your eyes, but I do recognize that it is a lot of blood at times. I just, again, I'm like, why did you just make this movie without that? Yuck. Because it's about cannibals. I just have to say, I want to point out, we're about to end the part with John and Abby available. Um, you guys were so suspicious, but you are so fully on board with my three-part rating system. You're just debating the minutia of your pumpkins and your skeletons, and I completely got you over the course of our 17-hour phone call. I win. <laughs> I, no, no, you, you definitely won. You convinced me that uh, Wishmaster 2 was five on every level of your system. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. I just remembered like three more things in that movie that were like extremely flawed, even in, within the plot. It just, I don't know. Doesn't matter. See, Jen started out there and she was like, I remember three things that were extremely flawed. And I was like, when she said, I remember three things, I was like, boy, I hope this isn't about Wishmaster 2. <laughs> and then she said extremely flawed. And I was like, she must be talking about this bone movie. Couldn't, couldn't be Wishmaster 2. How much do you like Timothy Chalamet? Might be. Like, if you, like, hate him. Yeah, it's a lot of him. It's a lot of him. His thing. And I'm not, like, a super fan. I am not a super fan of him or anything. But I'm neutral, I think. I maybe was a little mad at him in Little Women. I don't got a lot on this guy. Yeah. I, I feel neutral 
I feel neutral, and then I watch a movie, and I'm like, oh, why am I finding him attractive? So oh, I guess boy. I'm like neutral. They, they have him extremely typecast. Yeah, they just mm-hmm. they just are like, yeah, we know what you're for. We've done it. She was great, the actress. Yeah, and I don't know her, yeah, so it's good. One. I hope it, let us know if you watch it, Jen, and listeners, other people listening to this. Maybe part sure. of it is that I think it captured a thing about teen romance that most teen romances like are not as like subtle on. I don't know, like it it did better with that. Mm. I will show here. I have the reverse. Oh, he did it! But I have, I did write down both the movies from this podcast I want to listen to. So, look for updates. I'm excited for John to text and be like, "Fuck you guys, bones and all fucking right. sex." <laughs> Why do you You're make me fucking monster? I'm crying. Cat, scary movie season. You did it. Yes, it happened. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you for your participation. Indeed. I'm sorry, we had so many troubles. But it was, no, Pat, okay. it was it worked out. Pat, rate this scary movie season compared to the last several you've been through. Of the the new it movies, it seems like you, you have not been excited about new movies this year. New movies were pretty bad. New movies were really yeah, good that last sucks. year. But we dove deep. But we dove deep, and I found some some lesser known gems from the previous years. So I feel pretty good about the top end of the movies that I watched. But I had to search harder for them. And you guys didn't hear have to hear us listen to. Oh my god, I can't even talk anymore. It's so late. You guys didn't have to listen to us talk about Blade, which is for the best. Or yet. You didn't listen <laughs> oh, to it Oh, but I yet. am excited. Right. I will listen to you. Do, do you... Blade. I have... Jen, like in terms of like Blade stuff, do you wish we had heard you talk about it? <laughs> no. Well, have you guys seen them? That's an important factor. <laughs> I've seen the first one. And I didn't like it very much. And I, I'm told they go downhill real fast. Jen, this was your first time ever watching Little Shop of Horrors. What did you think? Of the movie. I know you've seen, apparently, a performance of it, but you hadn't seen the movie version. Yeah. I mean, again, I think the same old movie thing where it's just, like, way weirder than I expected somehow, which is impressive because I knew that it had something to do with a plant that eats people and a dentist's office. So that's already pretty weird. Yeah, weirder than I expected. I didn't like it that much. Um it was interesting to watch because, like, it's dated and because it's got that Ghostbusters guy being that Ghostbusters guy. Rick Moranis. Yeah, and it's got Steve Martin. And I like Steve Martin a lot, and I found that almost unwatchably awkward, his performance in this movie. Not a good dude. Not a flattering role. Not even not a good dude, but, like, just, like, I thought, I thought the performance was really awkward and weird. I think the thing I liked best about the movie was the weird history of how it was, like, a musical and then a mo- No, it was a movie and then a musical and then a movie. Yes. Which is kind of crazy. And it was a really old movie, the original movie. Yeah. Yeah. And like looking up the things they changed about the plot. I, it's a completely bonkers. I, it makes more sense to me as a musical than it does as a movie. I don't really know why this movie exists or why it is as in our collective consciousness as it is. I, uh, I, I sound pretty down on it. I liked it. I, I was very, I'd seen it a lot as a kid. I was very familiar with the songs Saw it a lot as a child. Saw it performed at our high school. No, at Manuka High School, actually, not Morris High School. And they did a good job of it. Um, yeah, it's obviously very dated. It's obviously has a lot of problematic content. The uh, constant uh, domestic abuse. Not... As like a punchline frequently. She Yeah, she's like so pathetic because of all the yeah. abuse she receives. Um, so that's not great. The songs are great. The performances are good. The plant is quite something. 
I think the plant was the best part. The, the singing, his, the singing of the plant. Yeah. Um, the amount they obviously dedicated, like the amount of the budget that was obviously dedicated to the plant. The plant was very well done for the, for when it came out. Absolutely. Uh, and then, so overall, I like it a lot. I hold it in high esteem. And then, for the first time ever with you, I watched the original ending on. Uh, it is available on YouTube, but they originally filmed a completely different end to the movie that was so insane and apparently speaking of blowing the budget apparently it was like literally like 25 percent of the original budget of the movie was making this insane ending but people hated it so much that they recut it and made a much happier ending oh that's right like in the real how does the real one end the in the real in the the version that is released um seymour is getting attacked by the oh, yeah, plant. Oh, yeah, they end up in the suburbs. Yeah. Seymour's getting attacked by the plant. The The whole flower shop is collapsed. There are live electric wires around him. He grabs the wires and shocks the plant and kills the plant and defeats it. And then he and Aubrey uh, get married and move to the suburbs together and they have like a, you know, picturesque happy ending. And did they hint to the plant still being... There no, somewhere there's no like baby Audrey's or anything. It, I believe the original is a fully happy ending. Like he prevails. He's he he did it. Yeah, and then the original was like the plants Godzilla style take over the United States and presumably world. Yeah, and it's it was and it's so long. It is like ten minutes long of insanely high budget like plant kaiju destroying a city throwing cop it was pretty cars, crazy trampling crowds like it was and and they, yeah just taking over the whole world it's like a, a alien plant invasion and they had a whole different song like about like let the lesson be like don't feed the plant um it was it was so dark and depressing they just completely lost so seymour is eaten very slowly and then baby clippings of the plant are sold all over the country and they're like the most popular house plant but then they all mature into man-eating insane alien plants and then they grow bigger and bigger and bigger and eventually yeah just start rampaging and it just keeps going and going and going and it was so dark and insane and i i, I respect them for having done that too it was so crazy i i think it would be too depressing probably for the main ending but i like that it's available and it was, i don't i mean I, at the time Maybe I think I think the trick is like how to separate the modern viewing versus the at the time because like I feel like not liking any of the characters, finding it kind of offensive throughout the dark ending would have pleased me more if it were not quite as long as it was perhaps. Um, and some of the visuals on the dark ending were fun, not the kaiju style, but like the grocery store, like them like running in and grabbing it and stuff. Um, the plant, I mean, to buy. And I, I I do respect the the going all out ending on a goofy premise. Whereas like I feel like the happy ending, wanting the happy ending presumes that you like care about these people, and I don't. And they made them like like he was I don't know. He he was very quick to turn murderous. He didn't take a lot of coaxing to start having fe directly feeding the plant. Yeah. And like their love story is like not again not that you go to go to movies about giant man eating plants to make sense but like I just yeah we weren't bought in I mean I wasn't bought in in any way I the best part about the movie to me honestly was like your palpable delight in viewing it like it was very fun to watch how much you were enjoying it and I can see how like I do feel like there are lots of movies like that where like I think I mentioned this one earlier so it's a surprise why it's on my mind but like 
Labyrinth is a train wreck of a movie. But if I were to watch it again, I think we did watch it last year with Megan, right? And I like, I had a great time because I was like, oh yeah, this crazy movie. Yeah. Not a good one to watch without any nostalgia. I think that there are certain movies like that, that it's just like, if you've missed the boat on, like there's just a certain time period that you had to have seen it in. And if you see it after that, you cannot enjoy it. And I think that that might be this movie for me. Although I, I often feel this way about movies like this. I'm glad to have seen it for like references sake, for the songs, for seeing baby Steve Martin in there. Wasn't there somebody else in there that had like, who fucking was it? John Candy and Bill Murray were in it. Maybe it was Bill Murray. No, but it was somebody else when they were like super young. And we were like, what? Oh, man. Gina from the Martin Lawrence show was one of the choir uh, chorus girls. Oh, the chorus girls were fun. I liked them, obviously. It's a lot of people in them. I'm going to have to die. Surprising. It was, it was a, it was, God, it was like not Jack Nicholson because he's too. Jack Nicholson was in the original one. Oh, maybe that was what it was, was the fact of him being in the original movie was like one of his first movies. But I thought there was someone when they came on screen. Maybe it was Bill Murray. It was probably Bill Murray. I really hated that dentist. It was so uncomfortable. It was not. It, did, I, it wasn't funny to me. All right, Jen. Briefly, you watched for the first time in your life all three Blade movies. Blade 1, Blade 2, and Blade Trinity. I rewatched them with you. What did you think? I can't decide if I... I'm glad I did this or I'm, I'm sorry I did it because this is on me. I suggested them. I guess I'm glad to know what they were about because they get referenced sometimes. Significantly worse than I expected. Not, not, not the first one you enjoyed. Not just the second and third one. The first one too. I did enjoy aspects of the first one, but it was way worse than I expected. I thought it was going to be a much more straightforward action vampire movie and the whole back what third was a mess i think i had i digested the information that it is a comic book movie Mm -hmm. i might have been more prepared for that i guess i think i maybe just because it has blade in the title i think i was like picturing more of a blade runner vibe but with vampires (laughs) um and it got weird on the lore of everything in a way that I really, really didn't enjoy. I think this is a, re- a downward revision from how you felt after the movie was over. You definitely didn't like the ending, but I thought you were enjoying the first one. It has all blurred together a little because that's not like, I don't know, it's not the most memorable movie plot wise. So you're mostly just remembering like vibes. Um, yeah, I think I think it was I think it was self it was like up until the ending I felt like it was like contained in a way that is enjoyable for that type of movie. Um when it's just like a solo guy on a mission like it's just like a very clear you like you got your perspective, he's doing it. I don't know. He doesn't talk almost at all, which is kind of fun. I think he's like it's an interesting movie to think about like why people like it cuz that character gets done just over and over and over and over and over and over. Um but then, like, they did it as a vampire, and, like, oh, well, I haven't seen that before, so that's kind of neat. Um, it's, like, comic book movie origins were kind of funny to see in the, like, oh, it's just, like, it's just Batman, but vampires. Like, he's got his little guy who gives him his tech. He's aggrieved and a vigilante and very good at fighting. I And the, some of the specifics of the fighting are blurring between the three. I can't remember if the first one, I think the first one had the best action is probably what was the good thing about it, right? Probably fair. Definitely the second one had the weakest action. 
I remember the second and third one way better, and I don't know. I mean, obviously, we saw them more recently, but we saw them kind of all at the same time. So I don't know why the second and third are just so much more memorable to me than the first. Oh, the first one was with that um, scientist lady. Yes, and yeah. the blood god. I liked her. He was really rude to her by yeah. the end. Yeah, he was. He was just like, yeah. She. I thought that she was a fun and interesting part of it that they did not utilize enough and then obviously didn't even have her in this never to be seen one. again this is a pretty popular movie right it was popular yeah yeah where did it come out approximately 99 yeah how did you feel about reviewing i thought reviewing? it was fun yeah i agree the ending was weak but i thought it was a fun movie and it held up pretty well i think the ending bothered me a lot more than you and apparently a lot more i like i don't think i'm this, i'm revising this i think i really didn't like the ending i know you didn't like the ending i'm saying you revise it sounds like you down really revise your overall opinion because I thought you liked it. You were having a fun time and enjoyed it. And they're like, oh, that ending was really stupid. But it, but it wasn't just like, oh, the way it ended, I didn't like. It was like the entire, it, it was like an entire third of the movie. Like, I, I don't know. Like, there's a difference between like, oh, I didn't like how they wrapped that up. It, it was more like, no, I just didn't like the entire concluding Arc. chunk. The, like, yeah, or like the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, uh, like when something, like the drama comes to a head. Climax. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just I just didn't like the third act. Yeah, just any of it at all. Um, he he's so interesting, and it's so interesting to me that he like isn't in movies anymore. I guess that's because he did did the did the tax evasion, and maybe had some substance problems. I don't know. And then I'll just fast forward. We'll finish up. Second one bad. People people seem to like the first two and not like the third one. Second one. Both of us really did not enjoy watching pretty much start to finish. It was just like not as fun, not as interesting having to team up with the vampires against a vampire like monster was not an interesting twist. We didn't really like it. And the third one actually rebounded and it was more fun, except every line that Ryan Reynolds said in that movie was terrible. The dialogue was so much worse than the third one. But the plot and the action was much better than in the second one. And so I think you, you can forgive some amount of terribleness in the dialogue. And and if you look at it overall, it was a much more enjoyable experience than the second one. And I think most people are wrong about it. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those ones where like because of the things that were bad about the third one, I can see how like on paper the second one is better by some metrics. But the experience of watching it, like the second one was kind of right there with um, Werewolf in Paris or London or whatever and that Alien movie where I like just wasn't, like I just didn't care about anything and just kind of wanted it to be over and it was quite boring. Um, The third one, you are cringing every 20 seconds pretty aggressively, but you at least are like, going with the momentum of the movie and like kind of interest. I mean, it was, it was bad. Like it wasn't it, like, they're not good. The second, third one are not, I mean, third one's not good movie either, but the second one was like impressively bad. And that's the one that was a uh, Guillermo del Toro, right? Yep. I am starting to develop a hot take that he sucks. That's the hot take that I'm starting to develop. I might hate him. There's been a lot of recent, the fucking fish movie, the circus movie. Do I have others? I have to think more about what he's done. I just think he can... Pan's Labyrinth? 
I think he can do, and, and I feel like it's like evident in this Blades movie, like he can do a certain, I, I, I have to think a lot more about this before I'm ready to speak on it, but there's some, there's a little something about the way that that Blade movie was, was taking itself seriously and bad and not working that feels incredibly consistent with some of the things I haven't liked about some of his other movies. I just feel like, and it was so out of place in this like vampire comic book movie and he tried to make it this thing and it, everything was in service of this twist. And in, in the meantime, the whole movie was like unwatchably boring. Yeah. And the action, even the action wasn't good. I don't know. One of my overall criticisms of the entire series is like how deeply uneven the action is. I feel like sometimes he's like the most competent fighter that ever existed. And then at other times it's like a 12 year old kicked him a little and suddenly he's been like completely captured. And also sometimes he is exploding the vampires when he fights them. And sometimes none of them are exploding. And I don't understand. I, I that was the biggest problem with the second one is that they quickly realized the weakness for these vampire like people. And it was only UV light. And they're like, oh, we can't use UV. And they just did. It's like they kept doing the things that didn't work over and over and over again and not using UV light. And like it was just like bafflingly illogical and like taking you out of it at all times so was his like he like falls in love with the vampire lady and that also was like didn't make sense and was weird and i think that i think that's that's what it was second by one like the missteps of the second one were constantly taking you out of it and then there wasn't anything pulling you back in and the third one you were like this is very bad dialogue and i hate it so much and jennifer feel jennifer whatever she's not very good at acting and Ryan Reynolds looks like a poster boy for that time period with his like facial hair and his very, very, very bad jokes. But the rest of it is like a perfectly average action adventure. Hey, Jen. Thanks for watching a bunch of movies and talking about them with me. I like talking about movies and I like you very much. I don't really like horror movies, though, still is my conclusion after coming out of this. The ones that I liked... I feel like I liked in spite of them being horror movies and nothing to do with the because. And at least a couple of them, I feel like, could have just turned down the gore and would have liked them just as much. Well, that's what we'll do next year. <laughs> just turn down the gore. Thank you very much. Happy Halloween! <laughs> Happy Halloween. All right. Jen is gone now. Finally, just the two of us. And I can really go buck wild talking about the rest of the movies. Uh, just kidding. Of course, I want to very much thank John and Abby and Jen for both taking the time to watch a bunch of movies and talk to me about them uh, for this episode. So thank them very much for their time. Uh, of course, I went overboard, and so there are a bunch that only I watched. So now I'm going to do a relatively quick rundown of some of them and then go into a little bit more depth on some others. Uh, but, but just to kind of touch upon everything that I watched in the last 12 months. Uh, I will do that now. So without further ado, uh, the 2002 movie May, M-A-Y, uh, which had uh, was on some lists. I heard it was pretty interesting and fun. Uh, there's a small-ish part by Anna Ferris in that movie. Um, it is about a maladjusted girl who uh, is kind of a social outcast that she gets obsessed with a guy and uh kind of goes crazy and it goes over over the top in, in a kind of interesting way it was it's, it definitely felt pretty dated pretty strange 
Um, but kind of kind of interesting in the end. Uh, I, I think it was pretty solid if you're interested, but but nothing uh, too crazy. Madeline's Madeline from 2018, starring uh, Helena Howard, Molly Parker, and Miranda July. This one was interesting because it was I saw that it was going to come to I believe Criterion Channel, and people were singing its praises as one of the best kind of uh, thriller horror type things uh, of the last few years, and also how it's uh, very inventive with its style uh, and and kind of uh, how it was put together. And so when I saw a trailer for it, it did look very interesting and very good. And it was a it's about a girl who is in a an extremely intense uh, local theater group, and she's like extremely talented. And so she she becomes kind of the teacher's pet in the theater group. But she it it shows how things unravel with her and maybe her mental health and things like that. And I kind of thought it might be like a more uh, inventive and crazily put together version of the story of whiplash like someone who is talented but then they want to take their talents so far that they push themselves too hard and kind of lose lose grip on things um and that's not exactly what what it was like it did not exactly match my expectations it was really more about her mental health and her uh bad relationships with both her mother and ultimately the theater director and so it was it was pretty strange. I do I do like how they kind of um, how creative it was, how inventive in in its structure. Um, but but it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. I think, but but definitely solid. If that sounds interesting to you. Um, next, I want to talk about bodies, bodies, bodies. I want to this one. I think was one of the ones that most people asked me about if I watched it. Um, that so Megan. Bodies, 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 and Talk to Me were probably the three new horror movies that people asked me about when I mentioned that I was watching a bunch of them. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of interest in this one. I thought it was fun. It was silly. Um, it was kind of not memorable for me, um, but but it, it, it definitely was enjoyable to watch. I had a fun time watching it, but, but nothing too special. It, it kind of has the formula that you might expect. Uh, it's kind of like a haunted uh, sort of uh, doomed hide-and-go-seek game with a bunch of privileged people at a mansion kind of thing, and then things go wrong and people die. And uh, But it, it, it was fun. But again, nothing nothing too special, but still overall a good time. Uh, the next one was actually on some lists that Jen found, and so Jen kind of pointed me in the direction. That's The Lodge. Uh, that one was, was interesting, especially towards the end, which I will not give away. Um, it's another one that involves a cult, so it is a uh, a dad with two kids, uh, a, a son and a daughter, and he, he gets remarried to a, a younger woman who was formerly in a cult, and he wrote a book about the cult, and she was the only survivor, and she is much younger, and the kids hate her because, um, you know, they don't want their mom to be replaced with this young, crazy lady they perceive her to be because she was in a cult. And the dad isn't hearing that, and he wants them to be friends. And so what he decides to do is uh, force them to stay together for Christmas in a remote lodge. And so he kind of thinks that, you know, if they spend time together, they'll grow to love each other. And so then he has to leave and go back into the city for work. And so then it's just the two kids and the wife 
it goes off the rails in an interesting way. Uh, they, they super hate her. They're so mean to her. And she overall is like trying pretty hard. It seems like to, to make things work and they're, they do not love, love her or like her at all. And so they give her such a hard time and, and then it goes nuts. And then at the very end, I, th- I think it does get more interesting right, right at the end. And so I, I, I recommend that one. If, if that premise sounds good, that I was pretty, pretty cool. Um, definitely didn't go in quite the direction I expected it to go. Another one that got a lot of attention online, kind of like no one will save you. This one was very hyped up like on Twitter and things like that. Uh, people talked about a lot. Skinnerink. Um, people talked about this one, like it was going to be like the next big thing in horror. And similarly, like uh, no one will save you. It also is largely wordless. Um, it is tough to, describes succinctly but essentially it's two young children in a house and they can't escape and you can't really tell what's going on and there and then strange surreal things happen like like there's no doors anymore to get out of the house and the windows start disappearing and objects are not where they're supposed to be and creepy creepier and creepier things keep happening like they talked about how people were like you know so upset and so scared watching this movie in theaters Personally, I didn't think it was successfully scary so much as extremely anxiety-inducing. I had like a, I was extremely uncomfortable watching the movie, which I'm sure was deliberate. Um, but it wasn't. It was very dreamlike and had like very much like dream dreamlike logic. And to me, it was not very satisfyingly told as a story. Uh, but, but again, it was very successful in making me anxious. So, so good on, on it for that, I suppose, but it was not what I was looking for. And I was, I was disappointed based on hearing all the hype about how good it was and how scary it was. And to me, it was just, a essentially an uncomfortable, uh, viewing experience. Next one that I did like a fair amount is infinity pool. That one. So it's Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth. It's by Brandon Cronenberg. Uh, and, and so I think that th- this was pretty enjoyable, a very high concept sci-fi horror sort of thing. Um, it, you know, Brandon Cronenberg made Possessor and it's, it's pretty similar, uh, in that, in, as far as being like stylish, high concept sci-fi, very violent, of course, as you might expect, um, you know, kind of body horror and things like that. But unfortunately, in my mind, um, it came out so close to Crimes of the Future by his dad, David Cronenberg. And I, Crimes of the Future last year was the definite highlight for me, and I thought it was amazing. And so Infinity Pool is very good, very strong. Mia Goth continues to be very uh, an excellent performer as like a crazy person uh, who loses her mind in various horror movies and uh, she's great in this one as well but it because it is similar in genre and style as you might expect from a father-son directing duo um, I can't help but compare it to Crimes of the Future and for, for that reason it suffers because Crimes of the Future was so good and this was very good but not quite as good and uh, I might even prefer, prefer Possessor to Infinity Pool but they're both very strong Um if you like Cronenbergian horror, um, you know, I think both Possessor and Infinity Pool are, are, are strong entries, um, but not quite as good as, as the original. Uh, now is when I'm going to slow down just a little bit 
to talk about the last few. Um, the first two will be in pairs. First, I want to talk about The Nun 1 and The Nun 2. I never watched The Nun when it first came out. I, I really, really like The Conjuring 1. And I a fair amount like Conjuring 2. But then I kind of tapered off and didn't watch a lot of the offshoot uh, expanded Conjuring Universe movies. So I never got around to watching The Nun. But then it sounded like The Nun 2 was like a pretty fun time. And so I watched the first Nun and then I watched Nun 2 in theaters. And uh, I did think the first one was fun. It was overall quite scary compared to a lot of the stuff. I would say, hmm, I'll rate it uh, unlike these other ones. I would say probably four skeletons, five jack-o'-lanterns, maybe three thumbs up. Um, it was it was pretty fun, definitely pretty scary. A lot of like intense, you know, religious icons and and things like that. Uh, and, and it was just overall a pretty satisfying story. It was obviously kind kind of what you'd expect. A lot of jump scares. Uh, really relying on that monstrous nun character that they invented for this one. But overall, pretty good. The The best part, though, about The Nun, absolutely, was when I was watching it and the main nun looked so familiar to me. And I know this is probably obvious to a lot of people, so I apologize. But I was like, is that is that like the daughter of the main wife from The Conjuring? Like, is that the investigator's daughter in real life? Because she looks just like her. And then I found out that no, the nun from the nun, the, not the evil one, but the main character, is the 21 years younger younger sister of the investigator from The Conjuring, uh, the, the Farmiga sisters. And, and they look so much alike. They look so much like an older and younger version of the same person. It is awesome that they are in the same like series of movies, the, the expanded conjuring universe i love that they used these two actresses that look exactly like an aged up or aged down version of themselves um i think it's great that they're both like solid actors and like doing horror movies it it seems like a gift to be able to use them i'm looking forward to seeing when they kind of combine them uh more directly and and use both of them in the same movie because it, it seems like it was they're absolutely made for the purpose of having a flashback or flash forward of the same person. Um, and yes, I will say it is more directly revealed in, in the nun two that they are probably supposed to be related to each other uh, in, in the conjuring universe. The nun two was less successful in my mind than the nun one. Uh, it was less scary. It was a little bit goofier in the nun one. She has to find a religious relic to, uh, you know, banish this evil demonic nun. And she has to find it and she kind of finds it in a goofy way. And it kind of almost has like a Indiana Jones, like, you know, archaeology relic hunting vibe. And then they they play that card again in The Nun 2. But the way that she finds the relic in the second one is even dumber than in the first one. And, and they, they take a lot more time with this, like, you know, mystery solving aspect of it. And, and to me, it suffers for that. It was, it was not as fun to kind of just, uh, you know, watch her unravel the mystery. Here is a extremely small pet peeve of mine that is a very minor thing, but 
extremely bothers me in in period movies. So the Nun one and the Nun two take place. Uh, they're they're period pieces, uh, and they take place in like the fifties. And the one thing that I hate for some reason is anachronistically powerful flashlights. And this might seem like a minor thing, you know, you see a movie and someone's using a flashlight and it's like lighting up this whole dark room extremely, it's like a high beam in their hand. And I know that technology did not exist in the 1950s. Uh, And so it's stupid to not let that go. But when it's a horror movie and they are in the dark all the time and they're just constantly using these like insanely powerful flashlights that did not exist, it just takes me right out of the moment. And they did that a lot in uh, The Nun 2. And there's another scene where essentially someone held a flashlight up to a piece of red stained glass. And then they literally took like a red laser pointer as if a flashlight shined through a window would make like a a laser beam of light. And again, just people need to respect the the laws of physics and light uh, a little bit more because that was that was really bad. But anyway, none two is okay, Not as good as none one. I would say. Four skeletons, four jack-o'-lanterns, and two thumbs up. Now I get to my most controversial stances, apparently. I know that I watch a lot of horror movies, and I have a high tolerance for scary movies and gore. And I have tried and tried, and as hard as I try, I cannot get into the Evil Dead series. I watched Evil Dead 2013 and Evil Dead Rise because Evil Dead Rise had come out this past year. uh, And I know that some people really liked Evil Dead 2013. So I watched both of them after in the past few years for this podcast, having watched Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2. And I cannot get into this series. Um, I I don't know what it is. You know, we've talked a lot in this episode about kind of people's different like tolerances and preferences in horror movies. And it sounds to me like Evil Dead, people find them very funny. And so there's all this over-the-top gore and uh, almost slapstick at times, but just like ridiculous, absurd things happening, but then like insane uh, like torture and gore and dismemberment and vomit and all this stuff. And, And I could tolerate that stuff, but I never find it funny. I just find it gross. And so... For some reason, the Evil Dead sense of humor, so to speak, never lands with me. And I just find them gross. And so it never works for me. And and it also is really weird to me. I know. And again, this is very well known to people who uh, follow these movies. But Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2 were practically the same movie. Like Evil Dead 2 was essentially a remake of the first one with a bigger budget. And some things change around. And then Evil Dead 2013 is deliberately a remake of the first two. So there's three movies, Evil Dead 1 and 2 and 2013 are all essentially the same story. Evil Dead Rise at least uh you know did change things up. Uh it was not even trying to be the same story but of course the same general premise of uh the the Necronomicon and Awakening, these dark spirits and people getting possessed and then just absolutely gruesome violent fates uh to almost all who have the misfortune of falling across that that path. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they just don't do it for me. I just think they're too gross and unpleasant and not funny. You know, they unleash this evil spirit from the Necronomicon and then these people come possessed, possessed, 
and they become deadites. And they have this recurring theme where they say the most vile things, just really repulsive uh, things, often to family members. And again, I think it's it's being played for a laugh, but it's like so gross and inappropriate and, and I hate it. Uh, like, like a sister will talk about performing sex acts on her brother uh, because she's possessed by dead act deadite. And uh, in evil dead rise, uh, she like talks to her kids and talks, calls them uh, let's call them memory sucking parasites is the uh, censored version of it. They, and just like seeing a, a fictional mom say this to the face of her young children is like so upsetting and not funny to me. Uh, so I, I, I apologize if I am a bore for not finding these movies funny, but it don't, they don't work for me. So I, they're, they're definitely very intense. And uh, so they're probably like, you know, five skeletons, five, uh, jack-o'-lanterns. But to me, evil dead 2013 is probably, they're probably both twos on thumbs up. Like I just couldn't, occasionally there's some memorable stuff going on, but I can't get into them. So unfortunately not for me. Uh, now I want to move on to uh, Noroi the Curse, uh, a Japanese horror movie that is extremely well regarded from 2005. Um, it is, uh, I thought it was really well done. So it is a mockumentary. It's very uh, intense about maintaining its documentary style. Uh, it really, really sticks with that fiction for the course of the movie. A guy uh, is a paranormal investigator and he's writing a book about his investigations and then he comes across this case and and there's like a bunch of intertwining storylines of people who have creepy things happen to them and he uh tries to find what's going on and then he kind of eventually tracks it down to be a curse from this village uh and, and it's really yeah it was really scary it was really good vibes it is very dated it's from uh 2005 and it has a lot of like vhs tape uh blurriness and and like you know he's recording these interviews and then they'll see like a little creepy thing in the background and, and it's all you know staticky and blurry and things like that it's very dated in the in in how the technology used and, and they are really focused on the technology while in the plot of the story but it's it's really good really well done quite scary uh so this one would get pretty high marks across the board for me probably uh five skeletons five jack-o'-lanterns and four thumbs up let's say uh, definitely, if you like Japanese horror, that is like a, a, a can't miss, I think. Um, uh, overall, very solid. Now, I have to talk about James Gunn's Slither. And this one, to me, uh, this is from 2006, and it's starring Nathan Fillion and Elizabeth Banks. Um, to me, this was a successful combination of gross-out horror with humor. Much more so than Evil Dead. To me, Slither seems like a. I enjoyed it in the ways that a lot of other people seem to enjoy Evil Dead. I thought that it was successfully very funny. I think that they always were keeping the comedy on the forefront as opposed to the background. Um, I I don't think it was scary, but, but but it was gross. I don't think they were trying to be genuinely scary. There's a lot of real gross, very dated uh, uh, special effects of these like alien slash grub insects crawling around and then, you know, taking over human people and ma- turning them into kind of like bug zombies. But it was just really funny. Like all of the, all the really gross stuff that they did 
was in service of of being funny and uh yeah it had a great cast oh i had jenna fisher uh from the office as well uh so it had a good cast very funny had some scares but nothing very scary at all overall extremely funny uh i liked it a lot i'm glad that uh i had heard the recommendation to me this would be probably three skeletons four jack-o'-lanterns and four thumbs up uh overall way to go now we're down to the last two and these are the two that are really obviously important for me to talk about uh first i'm going to talk about wes craven's deadly friend Uh, i believe it's from 1987 uh deadly friend is an interesting uh in contrast to megan with a three for me um it, it is about a boy who is a genius in robotics and medicine and he makes a robot called bb and he moves to a new town with his family and he has a crush on the neighbor girl uh and I, I guess it's not much of a spoiler. Eventually, something bad happens to the neighbor girl. And so, therefore, uh, he kind of inserts the artificial intelligence of his robot into the girl. And she becomes kind of like a creepy robot uh, in a human body. And so, and much like in Megan, uh, she gets very protective of the boy, uh, her inventor. And so, she kind of goes crazy. Hence the name of the movie, Deadly Friend. So... A weird thing about this movie is that it was originally going to be uh, PG or PG-13 and people, the studios thought this is a Wes Craven movie. We can't leave this as PG-13. We need this to be more violent. And so then they added violence to the movie and made it rated R because they thought that's what people's expectations would be. And so then there's like kind of a, this awkward insertion of uh crazy violence in some parts but overall it was pretty fun and goofy but the most important thing about deadly friend um the robot is named bb and when i borrowed this movie from the library the blu-ray menu screen was playing this song uh and it also played on the closing credits and i could not believe my ears when i was listening to it so i must share with you bb's theme BB being the name of the robot who eventually becomes the girl. Uh, First, it's just a normal looking robot and then it becomes a girl. Uh, This is the theme, BB's theme from Deadly Friend. I think you get the idea with that. Um, I could not believe my ears. It was so insane. And also that was before I watched the movie. I didn't know. Um, I mean, I assumed BB was the robot, but I couldn't tell if it was saying BB or baby. Uh, and it, yes, of course it's saying BB, like the letter B, the letter B, BB, the name of the robot. And it wasn't so insane. And I love it. Um, so I like to just randomly shout BB at Jen now because of this song. BB! And she hates it. And so now you can have that in your life. I recommend everyone to just shout BB uh, when when they can. I 
thought it was it was a fun movie. It was it is very old and dated and uh has some of the same problems that 80s and early 90s horror does with kind of like you know the way they treat women and things like that. So it, it doesn't age perfectly well and of course the the effects and everything are are very cheesy, but it was still a fun time. So I would say three skeletons four actually five jack-o'-lanterns i forgot it takes place partially in halloween uh so i have to up the jack-o'-lanterns for that and i'm gonna give it uh i would give it three and a half uh thumbs up but i'm i'm not going to bastardize my own scale that way so i'm gonna say four thumbs up but it's a it's a it's a weak four thumbs up uh but still a fun time finally finally Finally, last and certainly not least, I must talk talk about the movie Magic Magic. So I'd never heard of Magic Magic before, but when I, again, borrowed from the library the Blu-ray for Evil Dead 2013, I watched all the trailers, and one of the trailers was for a seemingly a horror movie starring Michael Sarah called Magic Magic, and I'm going to play some of the audio for you from this and I'm going to discuss the conclusions that I reached about this movie having watched this trailer a whole lot of times because I was so blown away. Here's a couple of little clips. Alicia, this is Frank. Alicia, Hi. you made it. This is my baby cousin from California. Is this your first time in South America? Um it's my first time outside of the US. Oh. <laughs> Winter vacation began. How long have you been in Chile? Longer than I expected. She had no idea. From one to ten, how much do you like him? I don't know. We just met. How much do you like her? Hmm. Ten, eleven. Yeah, true. True. There was no way out. And I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and get to this next little clip. They decide to hypnotize her. He, uh, One of the guys has a laptop with a little black and white spiral animation and so she's supposed to stare at that animation and get hypnotized take a look at this video your eyes are tired your mind is resting alicia are you hypnotized yes yes but you're facing the fire and then she goes towards a fire pit to put her uh hand and body in the fire so I saw this trailer and it very clearly to me seemed like the worst trailer I'd ever seen. And specifically, one of the reasons it seemed so terrible was that I was sure that Michael Sarah was playing a creepy, mentally handicapped person who was going to like abuse this girl. Uh, it, it seemed like this girl was traveling to South American girl traveling to South America, visiting people. Uh, and then bad things happened. But Michael Sarah, every line he delivered in that trailer was very weird sounding. And I thought they were trying to specifically portray him as mentally challenged. And I thought this could not possibly who thought this was a good idea. This must be the worst movie ever made. And so of course I decided I had to watch it. And so I got that from the library and I watched it and I have to tell you, I was way off. Michael Sarah is not mentally challenged in this movie. He just sounds that way. I can't believe this trailer. Actually, an actively deceptive trailer for a lot of reasons doesn't really portray what happens in the movie very well. But uh, 
two big takeaways. First of all, Michael Sarah is just playing a jerk who is always talking about having sex with girls and wants to hook up with her. The girl, by the way, is the actress who plays Keely in Ted Lasso, but this movie is from 2013, so she's obviously quite young. She, I think she plays like a early, like a freshman in college or something. So yeah, uh, it was it was crazy. Uh, I could not believe that that is how he acted, and he was just trying to play a normal jerk. And the other thing that was mind-blowing about Michael Sarah in this movie is that he is seemingly fluent in Spanish, maybe in real life. Like, a quarter or a third of the movie is in Spanish, um, and Michael Sarah is speaking in Spanish constantly, and, and the Keeley character doesn't speak Spanish, and so she's always asking him to speak in English in front of her, but Michael Sarah does know Spanish. And... Again, maybe in real life, Michael Cera is fluent in Spanish. That's that's a weird thing to learn through this movie. But uh, the movie, so the movie was not terrible in the specific way that I expected it to be terrible. So that's good, I suppose. And it ended up being a little bit more interesting than I expected in other ways. But it was not at all kind of the plot that I expected. I thought it was going to be like, you know, she gets trapped there, obviously, the way the, the words on the screen that I read during uh, during the trailer. She's not, like, trapped there and, you know, tortured or something. Um, essentially, she just... And I'm going to relatively thoroughly spoil Magic Magic. Uh, feel free to stop now if you want to watch this movie based on the information I've provided. But for those of you who don't care, keep listening. She can't sleep. So the people that she's visiting with are very, very mean to her. She has a crappy room. There's extremely loud bird noises all night long when she's trying to sleep. And so she can't sleep. She's very stressed because these people are being mean to her. Her cousin leaves for most of the movie. And so she's left with these relative strangers that she doesn't know. It turns out that the cousin left because she was getting an abortion that she didn't tell her cousin about. So she just starts getting like she's deteriorating mentally and physically because she's not sleeping. And so she gets more paranoid. She, I think, is maybe deliberately being portrayed as overreacting to being how mean they are. They're certainly unkind to her and they should not have acted the way that they did. But she's acting as if they were like sadists, I think, is one of the words she uses. Um So I think they deliberately portray her as overreacting to the level of mean that they are being to her. And so they start finally getting a little bit worried about her. And so they, she's like, she needs sleeping pills. She needs to sleep. She hasn't slept in days. So then they give her a whole bunch of muscle relaxants, which unsurprisingly don't help her. Then she sleepwalks, weird things happen. And... She's still, but not really getting enough rest. And then she does take a bunch of sleeping pills and she's still just shattered. Her her mind is broken. She's obviously physically falling apart. And so then they take her to this, uh, essentially this local witch doctor and she gets this like herbal remedy and they, they pour this herbal mixture down her throat and then she dies. And that's like essentially the end of the movie. So it's not a story. It's not like a standard thriller where, you know, you're out of your element and people are, uh, you know, taking like being mean to you or and you have to escape or something. It's more that this lady was extremely sleep deprived and then she takes a whole lot of drugs and herbal stuff 
and her body fails and she dies. What a weird movie. I could not believe that that's the way that they took it. So uh, Magic Magic, one of the weirdest things that I've ever seen, I think. Way to go, Michael Sarah. What a performance as a complete tool bag who happens to maybe fluently speak Spanish. Uh, yeah, so check it out if you want. Strange movie. I'm going to give that one two skeletons, two jack-o'-lanterns, and two thumbs up. Not my highest recommendation, but if that sounds like a, an interesting movie to you, check it out. And that, my friends, does it. That is the end of this long marathon. I hope you had fun. I hope you heard about some movies that you're interested in. I hope I had fun conversations about movies you've already seen. I look forward to this every year. Of course, again, I want to thank John and Abby and Jen for participating and for recording, especially as late as it went uh, in the first recording session. So thank you, everyone. I hope you had fun. Till next year. Hopefully I'll be back with a different themed discussion before Halloween 2024. But thanks for listening. Farewell. Goodbye. Mwahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahahah